Hey everyone, this is Matt and welcome to another Overflow Pod. We've been looking through Daniel's unshakable life and all the tests that he and his friends had to go through. And we've been looking in the last couple of weeks over his fifth test. And during this test, the heat is turned on, literally, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are about to be tossed into the fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar and worship him. So let's see what the king does, and then let's look at what God does. Daniel chapter 3, verse 20 and 23 is where we pick up. And if you haven't listened to the previous pods, this one won't make as much sense unless you listen to the last two. All right, so verse 20 and 23. And commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's not... He's not taking any chances here and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the burning furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nice, nice king. You took your, your, some of the strongest soldiers in your army to satisfy your ego and they died putting these guys in the fire. Crazy. Verse 23. And these three men firmly tied. And I love that, that the Bible says that they're wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes. There's a reason why they mention that. Firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. Now, the king should have known there was a problem as the three were tossed in while the people who tossed them in all died. But they didn't. Uh-oh. <laughs> What happened next is five things. And when you know these five things that God does, you're going to take a deep breath. And when you're going to go through the fire, when the heat's on in your life, when the when it feels like everything's coming down at you and you're under enormous pressure, when you feel like you're going under, well, we can trust God when we're walking through the furnace because the five things that God's about to do. Number one, God will walk through the fire with you. So you won't be alone. God's presence will be with you over and over and over again. God promises in his word that no matter where you are, no matter what you go through, he will be with you. Next verse, verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. This phrase, son of the gods, is just a euphemism. It, it means like he looked like an angel. He's not human. He's divine. Isaiah 43, verse 2 and 3. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God. Did you notice that the verse says when, not if? Isaiah's like, when you go through the fire, when you go through the storm, when you go through the flood, that's a certainty in life. You're going to go through these tough times. You ever go through a haunted house or a haunted maze where things jump out at you? Going through solo is, is kind of scary, but you always see groups or couples and they cling to each other. Why? Because it's not so scary when you have someone to go through it with you. You know, when we go through the fire, we can trust God to be with us no matter what, because he promised us. Second, we can see what God does. He burns off everything, tying him down. Notice this in the fire. They didn't get burned. 
Their clothes aren't even singed. He said, look, I see four men walking around the fire, unbound and unharmed. They don't even smell a fire. The only thing that got burned off were the man-made ropes that they've been tied up with, not their clothes. So what's got you tied up? What's holding you back? What's limiting you from being all you were meant to be? What are the limitations in your life that God wants to burn off so that you can be unhindered? So when you go through life, walking through life, pain picks you up over here, but it doesn't drop you off there. It finishes, it drops you off way over there. And you're not the same woman. You're not the same man because your character has been tested, refined, and grown in the fire. And all of a sudden, you're way farther than you were before you went in the fire. Because before you went in, you were immature. When you came out, you grew for several years. You know, really hot fire can actually cauterize a wound. It's extremely painful. But it stops the bleeding. And sometimes in your life, God has to stop the bleeding in your life with a little fire, with a little heat. Or you're just going to bleed out and you're not going to make it. So he cauterizes it and he burns off everything tying you down. And this is what the Bible calls a refining fire. Isaiah 48 verse 10. See, I've refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. You're not going to go through a fiery furnace literally in your life like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But you're going to go through the furnace of affliction, of suffering many, many times. And God refines you in that fire. Remember, don't ever forget this. God cares more about your character growth than your comfort. He cares more about your character than your comfort. Third thing God does, God will give you a new freedom. After you go through the fire, you change what you used to care about. You don't, and you're not afraid. Psalm 66, 12, you let captors set foot on our neck. This is actually talking about when the Jews were slaves in Egypt. God allowed it. He allowed them to be slaves, and then he allowed them to set the foot, the captor's foot on their neck. Then we went through fire and water, and you led us out to freedom. They came out free on the other side. I remember about two years into being a pastor. Man, that was almost 20 years ago. I'm getting old. <laughs> We had an event where I wore shorts and a t-shirt since we had a picnic right after church. And usually for Sundays, I wear a suit. And apparently this was frowned upon. And I didn't hear about it for about a week. I heard grumbling about it, about my outfit that I wore. Yeah. Before this, every Sunday, I wore the suit. And I guess it freaked people out seeing their pastor in shorts and a t-shirt. Wow. I had people issuing snide remarks and complaints to the leadership about it. I remember it being on the agenda of the leadership. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I listened to the complaint in the meeting. I felt the heat and pressure of the everyone's opinions. And I remember praying, God, what should I do? Then after I prayed, I just snapped. I went off on the leadership about how ridiculous this was in light of all the other difficulties we had. And after that meeting, everything changed. I just didn't care what the people thought. I was not afraid of their opinion. I only care what God thought of me. I started not to live or make decisions by what people think about me anymore. However, if I'm completely honest, I'm sure that I still care a little bit about what people think. I just don't live by their opinions or disapproval. You see, some of you, if someone looks at you sideways, you wilt. You can't stand the thought of somebody 
in your school or your business thinking you're a Christian and saying one word about you behind your back because you think, I've got to have everybody like me, love me. No, you don't. You don't need their approval to be happy. Don't just wilt. You're not being courageous. You're being rather cowardly. The opinions of other people matter so much to you, you'd rather deny Christ so you can be popular than rather do the right thing. And God may have to take you through a fire. I hope it's a small one like the one I went through. I went through one instead of a raging furnace. And I came out of that liberated, feeling really, I don't care what people think. I'm living for an audience of one. If God likes me and I like me, then it's you who got a problem. It's a freedom, a liberation that I wish for every single Christian out there. That you would be weaned off the addiction to the approval of other people. You don't need them to be happy. You don't need their approval to be happy. I hope it doesn't take a fiery furnace. Maybe just a little spark to do it. Fourth thing that God does. God will make sure you come out unharmed. Even before King Nebuchadnezzar thought up this really dumb idea of making a statue, an image of himself, God already knew what was going to happen. God had already planned the outcome. He wasn't worried. And because God wasn't worried, he's sovereign. The three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not afraid either. Verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted. I wonder if he turned down the heat (laughs) so he could approach it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. Where did that one come from? Hello. We have a pagan king here, no longer thinking he's to be worshipped. Gets off his throne and beseeches three guys. He's obvious, going, obviously, their God's the real deal. My God's not so much. Servants of the Most High God. He's saying this in front of everybody there. He takes a step back. Notice that Nebuchadnezzar wisely did not invite the fourth man out. I think he's afraid of that guy because he knows he's not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When all the soldiers died, he don't know who that guy is, but he don't want him to come out, so you can stay in there. I know you guys. I know you as governors for 15 years. So the right, you can stay in there because I'm a little nervous about that fourth guy, but verse 26 continues. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. That is an amazing sentence, that last one. No smell of fire. You ever cook on a grill, a barbecue? You smell like smoke when you're done. I used to go to a restaurant called Border Cafe. I used to love their fajitas, and they came out with onions that were like, you know, sizzling on the pan that they brought out. And when I left that place, I smelled like onions. <laughs> you know, when they didn't even smell like anything, like smoke. When my wife and kids go camping, the campfire is usually so strong, they bring that stink home with you. They have to shower and wash all their clothes. It's amazing. And they're just near the fire. These guys were walking in it. And there isn't even a smell of fire. Fifth thing that God does. It will bring unbelievers to God. It's a testimony. It's a witness. It will bring unbelievers to God. How you handle pain, how much you trust God when you're in pain, when you're under pressure, when the heat is on in your life will probably be the most powerful witness and your most powerful testimony in your life. You're not much of a witness when everything's going good in your life. 
But when you're faithful to God and you trust God implicitly and explicitly when you're in pain and you're under pressure and you're in the fire and people go, how are you doing that? How are you handling it? That's a witness. It's a testimony. And this pain can be used in your life mission. Verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve or worship any God except their own God. Wow. You trusted in God. There's no greater epitaph for your life than that. They trusted in him. That's a high compliment. I love that on my tombstone. Here's a question to, to ponder over. What are you willing to die for? It's kind of morbid, if you will, but, but you got to figure it out. Because have you ever sat down and made a list of what you're willing to die for? Because if you don't know what you're willing to die for, you can't really live. You're not really living. You're just existing. And there's some things in life that are worth dying for, and you got to figure them out. Because if you haven't, you're living down here at this level of life rather than up at a higher level. You're existing. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. A lot of times we live through life and it's not abundant. It's just existing. And I know that there's been years of my life where I just kind of existed and the time passed. And I, and I almost regret it because it's just gone. What are you willing to die for? There's a tree in New England called the Jack Pinecone tree. They're all over the place. Jack Pinecones have these seeds in the cones. But the resin on the cone is so tight that they can't get out and they won't sprout. Only if there's a forest fire where the intense heat comes and it melts the resin off of that pine cone, the seeds then drop out, they germinate, and a whole new generation of jack pine trees grow. They only grow after they've been through the fire. That's a pretty cool tree. Verse 29. Therefore, I declare decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. This kind of makes it seem like that the king was goaded into this stupid decision of a statue by certain advisors to target Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king hadn't lost his dictator quality yet, obviously. He's still offering capital punishment. Now, we wouldn't do that as Christians. You have a right to believe whatever you want to believe. And, I, and I'm going to support you in that right. But at the bottom line, he's just saying, no one's going to diss the true God because he's the real deal. This is the real God. So no one's going to badmouth the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So who are you looking for to be your rescuer? Who are you looking for to be your deliverer? Who are you looking for to save you out of your crisis, out of your fiery furnace, out of the deep waters that you're going under? Who are you looking for? Are you trying to save yourself? Well, you can't really save yourself. If you've ever tried, you just can't do it. Looking for the government to save you? The past couple of years should show you that the government cannot save you. <laughs> a small little cold, little pandemic, can't totally destroy certain things? Are you looking for popular culture to save you? <laughs> what can they do? There's no other than God that will save you, and you need a Savior, which is why we have Christmas. So remember Christmas in Luke 2, for unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
And believe me, if we didn't need a savior, God wouldn't have wasted his time sending one. And Jesus wouldn't have had to die on a cross. There's no other way you're getting to heaven without a savior. If you just call on him and ask him to forgive you, well, you will. And if you could have done it any other way, he wouldn't have wasted his time in sending his son. You need a savior. There is no other God who's going to bail you out. Nobody's going to come and rescue you when you're, when you're in trouble. You need a savior. He's saying there's no God who can save you. That's what the king says. No God like the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then notice the next verse. Daniel 3, verse 30. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. See, God tests you with stress before he trusts you with success. Where you're feeling the heat today, financially, job, peer pressure, school or work, pressure to conform, to do what everybody else is doing and to worship the wrong images and idols in our culture. Where are you feeling the heat? I want to challenge you to pass that test the way these guys did. Trusting in the Lord and his promises. Usually I end up podcasts with, I hope that encourages you or something like that. But in this one, I want to do something a little different. I like to pray for you. And I like you to pray with me. And if you're driving, don't close your eyes. It's okay. You can always pray with your eyes open. You can listen to this pod and listen to me pray and pray with me with your eyes open. You could be walking. You could have earbuds in. It don't matter. It's okay. Listen and pray with me. Dear God, you know the problems I'm facing right now. And you know the fire that I'm going to go through in the days and years ahead that I don't know about yet. And I'm going to be like these men. I'm not going to worry about defending myself when I'm attacked. And I'm going to remind myself that you have the power to save me and deliver me no matter how big the problem seems. But God, not only do I believe you can save me, I believe you will. You promised to. You said that when you go through these problems, you'll be with me and you'll save me. So I want to thank you in advance that you're going to help me through the darkest, deepest days of my life. And Lord, I just want to say to you like these men said to you, Even if you don't take me out of the problem, I'm still not going to serve false gods. I know what's worth dying for. I'm not going to worship the false images of our culture, no matter what anyone else thinks. The days I'm going through now and the days of the future, Lord, help me to know I'm not alone. I'm expecting you to burn off all the things that are tying me down. It may be memories that I've hold on to that are wrong. It may be misconceptions and false beliefs about you and about me that are wrong. Burn them off. It may be a relationship that was wrong. Whatever it is, maybe it's a bad habit. Burn it out of my life. I'm asking you to give me a new freedom. I don't want to be manipulated by the approval of other people. I want to be fearless. I want to be willing to stand for you. I don't want to be stuck up. I don't want to kiss up, but I want to be a stand-up kind of person. And thank you that you promised that I'll come out unharmed, that people won't be able to smell the smoke on me of the fire that I went through. And God, I'm asking you to use my pain and use the problems that I go through to bring unbelievers to you. Give me a faith that other people want to imitate. Help them see trusting you when things don't make sense and it causes them to want to trust you. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Well. That's it for the fifth test. 
in the book of Daniel. Next pod, we are going to tackle a very surprising and different sixth test, the test of success. See you next week.